0: Kia good morning and welcome to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast here on SENZ. It is four past six and uh, Kempi, I know you were quick catching up with a bunch of mates last night, mate.
1: How are you feeling? Oh yeah, no, feeling a, a little bit dusty on it. No, it was good to catch up with them, to be honest, Rick. Um, sort of hung out with these boys for quite a while, surfing oh, for years and I uh, haven't seen them over uh, the last couple of years. Obviously, COVID, COVID put a bit of a, a dampener on things and then, uh, but every year we catch up at Christmas time, just to, to say hello and and chew the fat on what's going on, and um, yeah, the old boys they're uh, they're still out there, they're still doing it and uh, enjoying life. One of them actually, I forgot the name of the skateboarders, Rick, but there was a skateboard crew back here in the '70s. You know, when they out at uh, Rainbow's Park, Rainbow's Park, a uh, Rainbow's End, yeah, used to be a skateboard um, right. park, and he was one of the boys that. That went around there. They did a TV program on um, way back, way back then. So, geez, I'm talking late '70s, early '80s, um, uh, Ed. And yeah, it was just you know he's still out there on a skateboard. He's still out there on a surfboard. It's bloody awesome to catch up with him, to be honest.
0: Yeah, nice mate, nice. Oh, it's well, good. It's a good, good way to uh,
1: to, to to celebrate
0: Hump Day. Like uh, yesterday, yeah. you know, in the middle of the week. Middle of the
1: week. Yeah, now you're on the downhill slider on Thursday. Yeah, I know, we're just about heading heading into the the weekend, just wondering how my mate Izzy is doing over in, in Brisbane there, putting his uh, his travel show. Talked to him yesterday, actually, because I I'm chasing um, Beaver for a contact down there at the Chiefs. I've got some friends coming over who work in a school in, in China, bringing a couple of sports teams over, and they want to go down and, and check out the Chiefs. Um, so so had a little bit of a... Interaction with Izzy yesterday, but it must be busy because it's like you know, send him a text at six o'clock in the morning, and get an answer back at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, just full noise, eh? Just he's he's yeah, him and Beaver are obviously enjoying the um, the food, the the sun, the surf of uh, of Brisbane and what, what it's got to offer out there. I think Great Barrier was the last place I saw him. Oh, okay,
0: because they've been interior as well, right? They've been, away, they've been like I know they talked about they had to catch a train. At, the train journey was twenty four hours inland, and you're still in Queensland.
1: Well, I think they got the worst of it out of the way first, right? You know, because they ain't on no trains now; it's all helicopters and mm. and private jets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those two as, they, as they're travelling around the the top end of uh, of Australia. But it looks nice, honestly. They're in they're in wetsuits and um, snorkeling and just enjoying enjoying what Queensland has to offer. So it's actually probably one of the um, one of the things I, I'm not. Um, you know, I am looking forward to watching, you know. They've gone over there, sort of, you know, a couple of footballers and seen what, what Queensland has to offer. Queensland's a nice nice joint. I actually lived there for a while when I played for the Crushers back in, oh ninety four. 94, I think that was, 1994. Um, and I'd been up there and played a couple of times, obviously, against Brisbane and the Gold Coast. But I went up there and lived up there for uh, three months. And it's actually a really nice spot, Brisbane beautiful, warm, um, that was the old Lang Park those days before they they turned it into Suncourt Stadium. And, um, yeah, Queensland, cl- close to the coast, like an hour away from the Gold Coast. Mm. If you go further north, you're in you know, the, the really coast. nice, hot sunshine coast. So yeah. uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see how these two enjoyed it over, oh. over there. he's probably lost 50 kilos, I reckon. I was going to say it'd be different from the French trip because I reckon
0: in the French trip they should have done a scales challenge at the end of every week because <laughs> all they did was sit on their bums and eat food. Uh, this time it sounds like they're doing a, a, a hell of a lot of running around and constantly and uh, uh, you know active. So constipated
1: with all that bread that they eat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I Ooh. remember as he saying when he got back from the France trip, like he just he'd had enough of baguettes and cheese. <laughs> and do you ever think you're going to say that? Well, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind a good baguette. Um, I don't know about you, but a good uh, baguette with a bit of cheese yeah, and mate, ham on it. Exactly. beautiful
0: Yeah, that's what i was saying. I never, th- I, I can't ever imagine saying about enough of that.
1: I, rem- I remember um, being over there, though, up in the, I think we played in the Gold Coast one year, and a guy came down, he was one of the players' managers, and he bought down king prawns from, oh, yeah. from um, far north Queensland. He bought a chilli bin, and honestly, the team couldn't finish it. Really? You think a team of footballers would finish a chili bin of of king prawns? I would have thought so. The king prawns were the size of your phone. Wow. Yeah. So you had like half a dozen of them. You're full. You know. Um, But yeah, seafood over there in Australia—that's one of the things I do miss about that place—is you know beautiful, fresh seafood all the time. Uh, If you ever get a chance to go to either Melbourne or Sydney, make sure you go to the fish markets. Cause, I, you know, I'm
0: allergic to seafood, so it sounds oh like yeah. the worst idea
1: ever. Oh God! Okay. Well, you don't know what you're missing out on. But if you <laughs> well, do, I do, but if you do it's, love it's seafood, it's throwing up a lot. <laughs> That's what I'm missing out <laughs> on. But you can go there, like in, in Sydney and Melbourne, and you can you can get a like a, a fish and chip packet of um, prawns, and just sit there and eat them on a, on you know one of the um, the tables outside with a little bit of sauce or, or whatever so you like. It's a great weight loss program. Yeah.
0: For me. <laughs> um, now, we, you keep your text coming through at double eight, double three. want to hear from you. We've just got one this morning from Mark. And he said, morning, boys. Just a message for Cam. Pick your game up, please. Now, Cam yesterday sent us through. Remember, I talked to Paul Mighty about it. Yeah. Um, he had a two-place bet on, uh, in Invercaro. He said, multi these up. But the Iberian in, uh, in, in the uh, third race. Now, the Iberian ran third last 7.6 lengths back. Um, so that <laughs> didn't happen, and then in race four, suggested that we back uh, Bolano. That ran seven and a half lengths
1: back and didn't uh, didn't bother the top couple four. A couple of place bets too, and you hate that when you're back in places and they actually place second last. But hey, you know, just when you thought,
0: Mark, uh, that Cam uh, was uh, having an absolute shocker on the tips, Paul Mawari yesterday tipped in, in in race one, a horse called V12. And you guys were convincing. Like, yeah. I heard the two of you talk about it. I was like, all right, I'm going to jump on this. It was paying sevens. So I was like, I'll jump on this. V12 run dead last, 23 lengths behind the winner. Didn't, yeah, the carbs didn't kick in. Something like didn't the kick. The
1: carburetors in. weren't were firing on the V twelve. He was only on a he was only on a four cylinder.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you, somebody made some money in a car yesterday because the uh, the horse that won one race three, David Moss, was paying twenty dollars fifty to win, and the horse that uh,
1: won race four, uh, Mike Carroll, was paying seventeen ten. Did say, did say, if you're going to go to Invercargill, you know, gamble responsibly. Um, R18 down there, because mate, hard to pick, hard to pick a card uh, down in Invercargill. Actually, we've got a good chat today. Rick coming up, ready to run sales out at um, Karaka are going on at the moment, so we're going to talk to a. Uh, one of the one of the guys out there, Kane, who's working, I think it did 16 million on the first day. And uh, and tomorrow we're gonna to get Alan Sherrick on because races in Taranaki, we'll be able to we'll be able to start your weekend off well. He'll okay. give, give us something down there. All
0: right, all right. Looking forward to those. Looking forward to those. Let's get into this. Round one. Fight. Yesterday. All oh, the super rugby teams releasing new jerseys. So they've, they've moved away from ADS and they've gone to Classic, which is traditionally like a rugby league brand, is it? it's an Australian company, I think, Classic. Um you got yep, a favorite uh, jersey, what you
1: saw yesterday? Yeah, I have, and you'll probably be really surprised, but I like the Highlanders jersey mm. out of all of them. I think the Highlanders have you know, they're taking the collar away. Um, it looks like a really nice fit. But when you look at it, it actually looks like a Melbourne jersey yeah right you know it looks like a, a Melbourne Storm type um, fit you know which I think you know, they need a bit of Melbourne style down there in, in Highlander country um, and they started right with, a, with the right jersey but all the jerseys are different like Canterbury's jersey, Auckland's jersey, they all Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. of. The, I
0: mean, not, not that I'm a Crusaders fan, but mm. the Crusaders, they've taken a lot of the black out of the home jersey and it's just more red. More red, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a massive fan. Of i tell you what, I, and I know I'm you know, born and bred in blues country, but the picture of Carlos wearing the new blues jersey and they've gone back to, you remember... When would it have been? It would have been the mid-90s, mid-late 90s, and the Blues jersey had those sort of like uh, maroon wedges for sort of North Harbour across the collar. They've brought those back, so it's kind of a bit of a throwback jersey. I quite like that. I thought that looked quite good.
1: Yeah, it it sort of does look like a 95 jumper, you know, with the diamonds on the the shoulders and a lot of blue and white, so you're sort of stuck between, is it Auckland, you know, what type of jersey is it? But it looks like they've tried to incorporate all the years of super rugby in that. I'm really surprised that Carlos is the one who's modelling it. Well, I'm not. No. I mean,
0: I looked at it and went, wow, that looks good. And then I went, yeah, but it is on Carlos. He makes most things look good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. With a fitting with a fitting jersey, he's still a good nick, um, is our mate Carlos. But, yeah, the diamonds, the the white on the top, uh, it's... It's sort of, it's like confusing for me. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I like Auckland blue. Right, and that's, then you're done. That's it. You yeah. blue, if you're, if you're wearing Auckland, stick traditional, stick to the blue. Um, when you're starting throwing all these other colours around, I just think you get confused because it's got the red across the top and those diamonds, it's obviously North Shore in it. Yeah. That's the North Shore colour. Yeah, I, I sort of on the North uh, Harbour colour. Yeah, North Harbour colour. I, I I sort of can't buy into
0: it. All right. Uh, actually, I did. I tell you the one that I probably liked the most out of all of them is the Hurricanes away. The Hurricanes okay. changed jersey because it's all black. Yeah. But it's got a big swirl of a hurricane sort of over the heart. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It looks really good. Looks really good. But let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, your favourite uh, jersey from that release yesterday for the new Super Rugby jerseys. All right. Let's crack on. Round two. Now, Fozzie and Joe Schmidt look like they're linking up with French club Montpellier, who are really struggling in the French top 14 at the moment. Um, given what we know about uh, their methods um, and what we've seen with the All Blacks in the, Fre- uh, in the World Cup in France recently. Do you reckon they can be successful? Can they, at, at club level where it's a little bit different, can they turn Montpellier around?
1: Well, I, I don't think can they be successful. I think they can be successful. I think they're two very good coaches. I just don't think that when, you, when you're talking about coaches in their 60s going over to Montpellier to, to work together is a reality. You know what I mean? Like, Joe Smith doesn't need to go and sit on Fozzie's coattails. You know, he's been to Ireland. Um, he's come back and he's he done wonders... With the All Blacks, just about got them that win uh, at a World Cup, and then say, right, uh, be part of my team and come to Montpellier. He'd probably sit, he'd probably sit on his own at another club as a as a head coach. Um, the the real interesting one about this Rick is whether or not Fozzie wants to go back to club football.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, it, uh, it sounds like it's a done deal. I'm just looking through this uh, Montpellier squad to see who's in there, thinking maybe there's a spine of Kiwis, but. Outside of George Bridge, it doesn't look like there are too many. Oh, Ben Lamb is there as well. Um, and there are a few, uh, I think, a few Pacific players. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It certainly doesn't score. It's not, like, packed full of Kiwis like I thought it might be.
1: No, and, and, like, he's done that. You know what I mean? Like, if you're thinking about where you take your career from here, from all-black co- coach back to Montpellier and the French um, union yeah it's probably a big backward step you know I, I would think that Fozzie's next step would be into obviously an international team somewhere so he could go you know from japan to to the north of england any in any of those teams or even the lions but well, the lions go, is
0: one that i thought he to might to go pick. back
1: to club football and then you're sort of taking a massive step backwards on a, on a regular basis to prove yourself, then where does he go from? So let's say he, f- he doesn't have success there. He's not going to pick up another international job.
0: Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it depends. You know, there are tier two nations that would probably look at him. But I was going to say when you said it's a massive step backwards, I reckon there might be an extra O on the end of the, of the, of the cheque that he was getting from uh, NZR, though, to go and coach top 14 rugby in France.
1: Yeah, does he need it?
0: Well, probably not. Well, how but... long's he
1: been in the coaching game for?
0: Ah, uh, well, how old is he now? In his early sixties, probably thirty odd years.
1: That's right. So, you know, and and he'd be getting paid well as the All Black coach. You know, to to say I'm going to go back to club rugby and coach um, for salary is is that what he wants? You know, like he's just come out of probably the well in statistical terms the second best team in the world, the All Blacks. And he wants to go down and coach Montpellier that a basket case. Just sack their coaches. They've mm. just em- employed a, another uh, director of football. They bring Fozzie and he fails. Probably sack him as well. You know, It's a, it's a massive decision. It's, to a go risk. Back down there. it's a risk. Massive
0: risk. Yeah, all right. Round three. Now, this came to my attention yesterday. Obviously, we've been talking about this new Auckland A-League franchise a lot and Bill Foley. And a friend of mine who I've played, <laughs> I played football with for years and years and years... He messaged me and he said, how do you feel about the owner of this New Auckland A-League franchise being a Trump supporter? I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, he donated $400,000 US to the Trump presidential campaign. Now, and that got me thinking. It did make me go, hmm, for a little bit, you know, what's his moral compass like uh, if if he's making those kind of decisions? Um, As a player, Kempe, and even as a coach, uh, as a, as a, a fan, I should say, where were you on that? I mean, if, if a club came in to sign you and the owner was somebody that was, I guess, slightly controversial in, in some of their th- the you know things that they thought, things that they said, did that bother you? Did that make you think twice about whether you'd sign or were you just looking at the contract and the team?
1: That's a really good question. You know, like, if you look at um, owners these days and what they stand for and who they support... Um, I think players are more aware in in 2023 than they were in 1993. Mm. You know, like in 1993, professionalism was just coming out of um, their emb- embryonic state. You know, we were just we we're just starting to grow. But when you look at 2023, I think now when you're looking at owners and. And what they stand for, and and whether or not uh, your moral compass sits within the values of that person, I think I think players do make a decision whether or not they want to go there, and um, that's a really good good dis- uh, good discussion. The the Trumpism and all that sort of stuff, like politics, is always a a polar polarizing conversation, isn't it, Rick? You know, I mean, you have plenty of that discussion mm. here, but I think when you're when you're signing contracts and you, if you're representative of a, what I know now, as opposed to what I knew then, yeah. And you were representing something, you probably make a decision back then. If if the values of the owner didn't sit with your own, you'd go right. I wouldn't. I won't go there. Um, but back in 1993, mate, we never thought of stuff like that. Yeah, it didn't didn't occur.
0: I, I mean, because I'm just talking about all. stuff like you know. Uh, you know, there are fans of Newcastle United in England because of the Saudis taking over. Yeah. And what the Saudi, they've walked away from the club because they can't support it anymore. You know, that's fandom, so it's slightly different.
1: Well, Australian netball's a prime example. Mm. You know, so Australian netball with the Reinharts, they, they, they throw them, you know, they're struggling, they're in, in debt. Um, all of a sudden, a billionaire comes in and offers them a way out, and then a, a, a lady that plays for them says... Your money stands for for such a significant part of what I don't stand for, and and basically they had to pull out, you know. So, I just think when you're when you're looking at stuff like that, if you, if you were were in that arena today as a as a player, yeah, you would actually consider it. You would go, well, no, I'd actually don't want to be a part of that. That doesn't sit right with me. But back in the nineties, mate, we were just happy to get paid. Yeah, right, a whole different whole different generation totally different